0: High Sticking
1: to breaking down the middle.
0: Here's the lowdown
2: with low tide on sports 1440.
3: Presented by Wolf GMC Buick. We're making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com.
2: Welcome to the lowdown on sports 1440. Today's show, Oilers have proven nothing, nothing, but a win tonight changes the conversation. I promise, you know, grumpy low tide will be put back in the, you know, the back of the cupboard. If the Oilers win tonight, Plus the Texas Rangers are World Series champions. I'm going to tell you just exactly how phenomenal and borderline impossible that is. Uh, and it's Thursday Night Football. Can we get a good game? I think we. I think we shall. That's what I'm going to say. I didn't even know if that's correct English, but I think we shall. Sports 1440.ca, iHeartRadio and Radio Player Canada. Text or call us 1-833-401-1440 on Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger And the lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, but same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. All right, we have guests today. Bagged milk is on the way from Oilers Nation. Brian Ray from Valley Sports, talk a little bit about the Texas Rangers and maybe the Stars too, a little bit. And Ben Arthur from Fox Sports NFL, talking about the Thursday Nighter. And with that, we say a hearty hello to our dear friend Declan Kruger. How are you there? I guess it's not a hat today. It's a toque. Am I?
0: No, no, this is a hat. It's okay. just on backwards, so you can tell. It's a little tight to the skull here, but uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Soccer team got a big win yesterday, 5-1. Not a big deal, so we're feeling good. We're Fun. riding high.
2: How many did you score? you big bum?
0: I No goals. I, one apple. I was on defense yesterday. We were a little undermanned. We had five defensemen, Boy, it in, just including seems like...
2: me. All the things that happened conspire against you being any damn good at all.
0: No, listen, I'm not really much of a goal scorer. I'm, I'm De Bruyne out there. Like, I, I try my best to create plays and move the ball. But, uh, listen, big 5-1 win, great for the team. Our starting goalie played out of his mind, stood on his head. So, yeah, great day and feeling good on this uh,
2: this thirsty Thursday. Well, why is it thirsty? I don't know. I just wanted something that was uh, illiterate. Uh, you know, I had another music idea. You know how we do Twang Tuesday? Yes. I was trying to get, and Awanak didn't have any sense of of music at all, but I was trying to get a sense of baseline Tuesday or baseline Thursday or baseline Monday, and we just play like, you know how the beginning of Under Pressure is a baseline? Yeah. We could do that. I don't know if we can get enough of them, though.
0: Yeah, we'd probably have some repeats in there, but we could definitely do it.
2: Okay. Well, I would like you to think about it. I'm not going to, you know, force you to do it. But as you know, we, we blue sky the show live on the air, mm-hmm. and that came to me. So,
0: well, listen, I'm happy to do it, but every break, you're probably going to hear, uh, hey, uh, low tide, which, which song next? <laughs> so just get ready for
2: that. But, but we can make it happen. Um, do you think we should get, a, like, a complaints department? Or, like, you know, people ask them, like, send your complaints and we'll have one a day. If you want to bitch about something on the show, you can.
0: Isn't that just the text line, kind uh, of? So. They can email yeah. me any
2: complaints well, they have. Once again, proving that not all of my ideas are brilliant. Well done there, Kruger. Um, all right, the Edmonton Oilers, they have a window here. They truly do. They have not started well. However, as November begins... There's a there's a little opportunity here. The stars are three and four, and they're playing a back to back. If they win that, they can beat Nashville. They usually do well. Just send Leon out there, and they usually do well. So that's two and zero. Oh. They I think they'll be on the road to Vancouver, and I believe they're going to have a burr under their saddle. To borrow I'm sure a line from John Wayne. I have all the John Wayne verbal in my brain. You're a good judge of horse flesh, trooper Tyrone. Yeah. Prove that one, you. Yeah stole my horse. So I think they'll beat Vancouver. I th- I know it's terrible. I think they'll beat the Sharks and I think they could beat Seattle and if they did that and they did all of them they'd be 5 and 0 as they come home to play the Oilers. I'm not saying it will happen, but it could happen. Here's the problem that I have with the Edmonton Oilers. People do say to me and people I like say to me, you know, you're kind of grumpy about the Oilers. And I go, "Well, okay, I picked them to win the Stanley Cup, and they couldn't win October. But there are reasons, and I don't like to use excuses, so I'm not going to call it that, but let's talk about this. Let's talk about the the 12 spots on the roster that are vitally important, and the fact that three of them are currently occupied by players who are not at 100%, probably more, but three we know of, okay? The the 12 most important foundational pieces on a team are the top two lines, the third line center, the top two pairings, and the starting goaltender. So in October, they had all kinds of goalie problems, and the defense was a little wobbly. But if you look at, like, Nurse Cece, you're like, okay, hello, you know? That's working out pretty well. And Evan Bouchard's coming around. But these are the players to worry about. Number one center, Connor McDavid, is not right. I'm writing about him today. A story that'll be up tomorrow at The Athletic about what he is and what he is not right now. And, look, he's the world's best player. He's still stunningly good. But he's nine points off the pace in the scoring race. And, he, you know, Art Ross is thinking about naming his trophy Connor McDavid trophy. That's how good he is. He's got five of them at age 26. He could catch Gretzky. He's going to blow by uh, Esposito and Yager, and he's going to get close to Gordy, Bleeden, Howe, and Mario. This guy is real. So he'll be healthy, he'll be good, let's see, but he'll be better than he's been. Next up, Matthias Ekholm. He's not right. He is a shadow of his former self. And he's got to get back to where he once belonged, as the Beatles once said. Very good coaches, all four Beatles. And when he does that, I think that second pair is going to roar, and the second pair could end up being the top pair. He's not there now. And then the third one is Ryan McLeod. And Jay Woodcroft talked about it yesterday, about the third line needs to do something damn straight. And I don't know that Sam Gagné is going to play on the third line, but he could. And... Those three things when they come together, and it could tonight. If they beat Dallas tonight, you are going to hear a different low tide tomorrow because they will have done something. Beating Calgary, Calgary's like calling off the, the contract talks with guys like Noah Hannafin. You could see some real changes down there, just like you might on this show if Kruger keeps doing so well. There's a lot going on, gotta say. So, those are my thoughts as we enter tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm respectfully suggesting that the Oilers, despite the fact that they played very well, despite this, it feels like the swagger is back, Dallas doesn't care. And Dallas, sure, they played back-to-back. Sure, it's three and four. Also don't care. They don't care like Vancouver doesn't care. They're coming in to get two points like they did last night, and they don't really care about the Edmonton Oilers. Can they do it? I'll tell you I don't trust it. I don't trust it. Not because they're not wonderful players. They are. But because a combination of things have occurred. Once again, the goaltending was really, really bad. I think Jay Woodcroft has stopped doing the things that made him successful. And the injuries were impactful in October. I think they'll be better. McDavid, Ekholm, McLeod. They're foundation players on this team because of the roles they play. And it's important that they get back to where they once belonged. All right. Do you have anything to bitch about? Because I'm going to talk about the Texas Rangers in a minute.
0: No, I'm... I'm. Go... Do, do your thing. I'm feeling great. Uh, spirits are high. I have nothing to complain about right now. Are you sure? No, I am. And you know what? I'm, I think I'm in such a good mood because I just woke up this morning with a gut feeling the Oilers are going to win tonight. Okay. I can't explain well, it. Please I've,
2: tell me what you... Like, what is leading you to those things? No,
0: what? Like, there's no analytical reasoning behind it. There's nothing that... To, there's nothing I could do. There's nothing I could say that would put stats behind this opinion. I just woke up feeling like it's going to be a 3-1, 3-2 victory. And I'm very happy about that.
2: Well, I'm glad you're happy, and I Thank hope you. you're right, because I could use a, a, a happier text line.
0: No, of course. Yeah, and listen, this isn't exactly the uh, you know the most, like I said, analytical
2: response R- I've ever given, but right. uh, that's, that's how I'm feeling. Opening my coffee there. I'm sorry. I. Mm. Oh, yes. Okay, so Texas Rangers won the World Series, and they've been in the World Series, but this is really, really impressive. I want to tell you when I was introduced to Texas Rangers and why, because of that, I'm delighted by what has occurred. I also want to tell you that Frank Howard, who was 6'7", 255, and a big-time home run hitter in the Major Leagues for a long time, went to the Ohio State University. He passed away on October 30th. The Rangers win two days later. Now, Frank Howard had a wonderful career. He did play for Texas, but only 95 games. But he goes back almost to the beginning of the Washington Senators, who were actually the Texas Rangers. They moved. And the team that I remember is the 1970 Texas Rangers, or sorry, Washington Senators. Ted Williams was the manager, and he was, even if the team was bad, Ted Williams was so entertaining that he could sell tickets, and the media showed up when he talked. He was a very compelling individual. And they had Mike Epstein, a 20 home run hitter at first base. They had Aurelio Rodriguez, who was a really good third baseman. They would end up trading him away. Frank Howard hit 44 home runs. I'm not kidding you, 44. They had a kid named Del Unser who ended up playing for the Expos later. And a pitching staff that was interesting. They had Dick Bozeman, who runs 16 games. Joe Coleman, who was good, but only won eight and lost 12. Casey Cox, George Burnett, Darrell Knowles was their closer. He lost 14 games that year. And... Horatio, Horatio Pina as well was on that team. They just weren't good. They lost 92 games. And they eventually would move to Texas. And they would continue to do weird things. And I, by weird, I mean... They had a guy named Jeff Burroughs win a MVP award on a year... I think they... I, I, I know they missed the playoffs, but they were also bad. And in 1973... They selected a man named David Clyde, who was a left-handed pitcher, number one overall out of uh, high school. I'm sorry, Texas A&M. Lying already. And he went in the first round, number one overall. And they passed on some great players. Dave Winfield, Robin Yount, just two of them. I mean, they could have had, had the number one overall pick, folks. But no, they went with David Clyde. That was a mistake. And they have done weird things. Lenny Randall was probably the most famous Texas Ranger for really the first 30 years of their existence, if Jeff Burrows wasn't. Lenny Randall was famous for beating up the manager. He was, a, I think, a middle infielder. And Lenny Randall didn't like the way Frank Lucchese, who was the manager, talked to him. And he pummeled him. rained down blows. Quite the deal. And... I think it was over respect men. <laughs> and anyway, that's the Texas Rangers. So, even when they were good later on, I never really lost the sense of the Washington Senators of my youth and the Texas Rangers of my youth. And I anybody who's a Texas Rangers fan, and I doubt there are very many in our uh, part of the world, uh, just abs- if you were you were a fan all this time, I'm delighted for you. I'm delighted for every Texas Ranger fan, and really just for me for being aware that this was happening and came out of the blue. And if you're a Toronto Blue Jays fan, I was going to ask you this, Kruger: Are you happier now that the Rangers are the team that won it all?
0: I not really. Like I don't. I don't know.
2: That's a good answer. Like, I don't really have so much good. opinion on it if it's not the so Blue good. Jays.
0: Like, I, yeah. listen, I, I've said it before. I want to see generationally historically good players succeed and get that ring because it's so tough to get a ring in baseball if bryce
2: harper hadn't left the nats he would have won
0: he would have yeah well i mean who knows what would have happened i mean this that and the other thing could have gone one way someone else could have gone the other way but i get what you're saying and listen if if a generationally historically good player isn't in the running for a ring the toronto blue jays aren't in the running for the for the world series championship i lose a bit of interest
2: simple as that so it, you're saying it doesn't matter no i mean it's listen, like it's like when you leave the room, your parents just fall limp because why exist is that what you're saying?
0: No, I wouldn't say that. But I would, I wouldn't say it doesn't matter. But I would say, from a selfish standpoint, the v- the vested interest I hold lessons.
2: All right, I'm going to ask you one more question, then you can get back to your typing and your watching video games. Thank you. Um, Thursday night football traditionally really bad. Like, I mean, I don't they they terrible. Um, they kind of wear bumblebee uniforms sometimes, and there's you know um, people trying to get out of the booth because it's so bad. Do you think we'll get a good game tonight?
0: I don't. I don't. I think... Good answer. I think it'll be a bit of a sloppy game. I think we're going to see a lot of punts. I really like Will Levis. I liked him at Kentucky. I liked what he did last week in his debut. But I just think it's such an old adage, but the short week, the practice isn't there, the motivation is there, you're still hurting from Sunday. It's tough to get up for these Thursday night games. We never, like, no, I shouldn't say never. Occasionally we see some really good games, but more often than not, we see sloppier football than we're used to. I think we're going to see that today with these two teams. Even though the Steelers are playing well, I think it's going to be a sloppy game for the
2: most part. Okay. Well, I appreciate your honesty. It was a well-thought-out, certainly better than the last time you cracked the mic, uh argument that you just made and i appreciate you
0: well you could have just said it was well thought out you didn't have to bring up the last time i cracked the mic but thanks for throwing that in there much appreciated
2: just i mean it was kind of wishy-washy answer and then you came back with a strong one okay well all right uh, again listen if i'm
0: if i'm batting 50 percent if i was in the mlb i'd be a first ballot hall of famer batting 500
2: if if people are driving down the road right now they don't want to hear it yes Mm. ah No, that's true. They can get that from the people they love. They
0: they, they, they might have turned it off after the first answer and said, "You know what? I'll give it one more chance." Turned
2: it back on and saw me come on strong. So I'll hope that's what happened. Turned it off after I said, "I I'm not convinced of the evidence." But we'll see. All right, uh, Brian Ray on the way. We're going to talk about the Dallas Stars, and I'm going to I am sorry, I'm going to talk about the Texas Rangers because he covers them. And why the hell not? Uh, And then at twelve forty today, we've got Ben Arthur. NFL on Fox, AFC South reporter. We'll talk about that Thursday night. In the community, bag milk. Brought to you by United Sport and Cycle. That'll happen at 1 o'clock, one twenty. NHL rumors interspersed in there. We're going to have your comments. Like this one. If the Texas Rangers had stayed in Washington, would the Expo still be in Montreal? No. No. Uh, George Steinbrenner and Bud Seelig decided that since the Blue Jays were going to win the World Series twice, they couldn't allow Montreal to win it. Again, and then they were just about done with Canada. Uh, And uh, highly regrettable because they made a bunch of orphans out of Expos fans like me. And although I love Doris Kearns Irwin, I love her as a writer. I think she's brilliant in terms of her politics and her presidential historianism. Not a word. I cannot believe that my Expos are gone to this day. It hurts me badly. All right, enough bitching and moaning. On the way, we're talking baseball and we're talking Dallas Stars. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, driven by Wolf GMC Buick, 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Delighted to be joined by Brian Ray from Valley Sports to talk, well, we can talk about the Dallas Stars and the Texas Rangers. Uh, I'm going to start with the Texas Rangers because this is unbelievable. I remember when they were the Washington Senators, I remember Frank Howard, who passed away a couple of days ago. And now they're World Series champions after all this time. What's the atmosphere? It must be over the top for all Texas Rangers fans who range in age from 2 to 200.
3: It's a little strange, and I I appreciate you having me on because it should be a fun hockey game tonight. But if anybody knows the history of the Rangers down here, and I'm not a Dallas native, but I've certainly learned it over the years they're fired up. They're excited. They almost—they cannot believe that the Rangers actually won the World Series. But there's still this little shred of trepidation to where the entire fan base, I think, is waiting for somebody to wake them up and say, April Fool's, it didn't <laughs> actually win. It. Like it's, it's almost they can't believe that they've done it. But I would imagine when they have the parade uh, coming up on Friday – and they see that trophy back here in Dallas. It'll finally sink in for this market that uh, they've got a baseball champion finally.
2: Well, it's it's there's the the things I remember drafting David Clyde in '73, <laughs> uh, Jeff Burroughs' big season, Lenny Randall going like off on Frank Lucchese. It, it the the stories that that we remember from Texas are some of them are pleasant. Ferguson Jenkins, uh, uh, Ted Williams was a, a very popular guy, but this is actually winning a baseball season and they they were so slow leading up to the end of the year there was possibility they weren't going to actually make it it's it's an amazing story
3: it really is and i i know that there's a big debate about the whole playoff format and should it be tweaked or you know for for teams that won their division to not make it to the the championship series and on and, and i think people forget yeah the rangers technically were in the wild card round but the AL West was a juggernaut of a division. I know the AL East, I think, got a, a lot of a lot of hype throughout the year, but it was Houston, Seattle, and Texas basically throwing punches at each other within those top three spots, and, and it did feel like whoever came out of that division was going to be very dangerous. It just so happened to be two teams were dangerous because they had to go through the Astros to get to the World Series. But, yeah, as, it's weird. As surprising as it is, you look at their lineup, and that is a lineup that is capable of scoring four or five runs in the blink of one half inning. It was just can the pitching survive, or in some areas, can the pitching get hot enough for enough of a period of time that the offense can do the rest? And I think when you break down the whole playoff run, that's exactly what happened. I mean, they slugged their way through the first two rounds, and then they slugged their way in the last two games of the series against Houston. And they pretty much slugged their way through the Diamondbacks, you know, top to bottom. So that that, that was kind of their M.O. all season.
2: And it's like I, I, I looked at the roster the other day, and then we're going to get to the stars. But I looked at the roster <laughs> the other day, and they're, they're, like there's a lot of young guys. Like, this is not a team that is, you know... Uh fading here. The, the the erosion is gonna take some time. They're a good. Ball club.
3: They've got they've got foundational pieces in place. Like Corey Seeger and Marcus Simeon as middle infielders, they're on long term contracts. Um Evan Carter, who's the rookie who came up to play in the outfield, he's clearly here to stay. Josh Young, before he got injured, was probably going to win the AL rookie of the year award but the injuries caught up to him so that's a young player in place and then the other thing like i know max scherzer had a rough postseason but they didn't just rent scherzer at the trade deadline he's back next year there's a lot of pieces of the pitching staff that is back so yeah the the contract situation is always going to come into play and when adolis garcia is due for his next contract man is that Mm. guy going to get paid wherever it is but these they, they've lost 200 baseball games the previous two seasons, and they weren't exactly destroying the league even before that. So they rebuilt their farm system with young talent coming through the pipeline, and they finally had one. Some of that young talent emerge this season, and some of it they used to go get pieces that they needed near the trade deadline, which is exactly how you want it to roll if you're a major league organization.
2: Sports fourteen forty. This is the lowdown with low tide. I'm Alan Mitchell, hanging out until two o'clock today. And Jason Greger show. We're talking to Brian Ray from Valley Sports. So I look at the Dallas Stars scores this year, and I'm like, they're opposite Oilers. A two-one win in a shootout against St. Louis, four-one uh, over Pittsburgh, four-three last night against Calgary. Desperate team. A lot of th- some 3 2s in there. Uh, this is a team that that if I if I look at the numbers, just the pure numbers. They're they're giving up. Well, twenty goals in eight games is 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 a really nice number for a team to surrender. This team could easily come in and get outplayed by the orders and still win because the goaltending could steal the game. Fair?
3: Incredibly fair. I, I would say the the best player for the Dallas Stars so far this season has been Jake Ottinger and. That's frankly, I think every team wants to have a goaltender be their best player. You don't want to have to rely on your goaltender every single night to win the game for you. But the goaltender is the ultimate security blanket. And as you said, going by the numbers, if you look at the season that Jack Campbell and and, and Skinner have been having up there, it's a polar opposite compared to what Jake Ottinger has been doing down here. Now, it's never... 100% one hundred percent on the goaltender. There does need to be some help in front of them. And and I think one of the question marks with the Oilers entering this season, we we know how good they are. We know what they have up front. Can they get enough defensively to push their way through a playoff run? That seems to be the big question we're all asking. Down here in Dallas, Rick Bonus established a defensive mindset A couple of years ago, when Pete DeBoer came in last year, his mentality was he did not want to lose the defensive fundamentals that were put into place, but he does want to try and unlock the offense a little bit more, and they were able to do that last year, and now it's a matter of building on that this season. And for the most part, the offense... For the most part, it's there. The depth is there. Their power play has not really done much to start the season, so they have not had a full-blown explosion or really hot streak offensively. But I think if you're any head coach in the NHL, you want your goaltending to be in place, you want your defensive game to be in place, and you want your five-on-five game to be in place when the season starts. For the most part, that's what the Dallas Stars have right now. So they've put themselves in a good spot and they've been banking points along the way. But, yeah, the back end of the – their penalty kill has also been dynamite. So the back end has been where it's all started for them. They,
2: they do seem – I think 12 different goal scorers among 12, uh, 25 goals. That's that's absolutely terrific. Um, there, there's there's structure to this team. There's a logic and discipline to them. I had somebody uh, – <laughs> sir? Is that your dog? That's
3: my dog on – that's – that's my dog on neighborhood watch because somebody's dog is loose in our front yard.
2: Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to have to take a break from the show to ask you about your dog. What kind of a dog? And uh, how old?
3: Uh, she is a three year old Australian shepherd, and she clearly busted out of the kitchen because I was in a quiet room to chat with you here and all of a sudden she said she said, "No, I think I want to talk about the Oilers and the stars while watching the neighborhood.
2: Well, you have to know we love her, and you have to give her treats for contributing to the show, and we'll pay you for of the course. treats." <laughs> <laughs> okay perfect okay I'll invoice you guys <laughs> you bet so I I had a text from somebody this morning and said I watched the game last night and Joe Pavelski has slowed down which at 39 I could buy but he's got seven points in eight games uh, and he's got 19 shots on goal that looks like Joe Pavelski to me
3: yeah well I was joking with somebody yesterday Brent Burns was asked about this might have been a couple of years ago but it's a, it's a Brent Burns line that I'll never forget where he was asked about Joe Pavelski and, and getting better with age. And the, 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 classic answer for Burns was, well, he never lost his first step because he never had a first step. And <laughs> I, I think for a player, I think for a player like Pavelski, I, I, I don't know. He's never been a speedster. I just think this puts the spotlight on his hockey IQ and his intelligence as a hockey player. Like he, he thinks the game at a very impressive level. And I think for whether he's 39 or not 39, because of his intelligence, the way he knows the game, and knows his own body, and he knows the two guys he's playing with, Rope Hints, and Jason Robertson, he knows what he needs to do to let those two succeed in their best fashion possible. He also knows where he can go on the ice so they can – be successful and read off him a little bit and he is still the ultimate net front guy whether it's deflections or just making smart plays near the front of the net so you know he he doesn't need to lead the counter-attack rush he has ropey hints to do that he doesn't need to be a power play sniper on the flank because that's what jason robertson does he finds space within a four to six foot radius of the net. And he finds a way to make plays or put himself in a position to make plays in that area. You don't need foot speed to do that. You need smarts. You need to be able to read the play. And so I think it just speaks to his intelligence as a player.
2: One thing that, that the the stars do well, and what was the dog's name again? It was ginger. Well, we love ginger. Next time we're going to introduce you as Brian Ray and ginger from Valley sports. Yes. You just let ginger roll, but, One thing that the Dallas Stars do well, I think, and the Oilers have stopped doing well, uh, specifically this year, is incorporate young players into the team. Wyatt Johnson, obviously, one of them, Thomas Harley, uh, Ty Delendry is still young, Um, uh, even Miro Heiskanen. The draft and develop model during the cap era is vital, and I think Dallas has a pretty good model. Is that fair?
3: You all whatever they did entering the 2017 draft is absolutely fair because that is the draft that changed everything when they picked up Case and Robertson and Ottinger you know as a trio but but yeah the the Dallas stars around maybe the mid 2010s they kind of had a tough run of, of trying to hit on first round and second round draft picks and whatever reevaluation or reorganizing Jim Nill and Joe McDonnell, who oversees the the drafting, developing, and scouting, they clearly made a different kind of commitment. Now, part of it, you have to get lucky a little bit. You, you do get lucky to hit on, on a couple of players. But after that 2017 draft, and then, yeah, as you said, the way that DeLandria has come in, the way that Wyatt Johnston came in, they've also whatever they've done to their development program, they have found a way to isolate those specific players and put them on the best path moving forward. And the most recent example is Wyatt Johnston, because last year when he came in as a 19 year old, they basically asked Joe Pavelski, will you take this kid in your home? So Wyatt Johnston lived with Joe Pavelski all of last year. He, he had a billet family. Wyatt Johnston as an NHL rookie had a billet family that happened to be the Pavelski's. So I don't think you can ask for a better NHL hockey parent if you're a young 19-year-old no. player in the league playing for the first time. And then on the ice, they put Johnston with Jamie Ben the entire season. If I'm 19 years old and I'm looking for the ultimate big brother on the ice, Jamie Ben is a pretty good counterpart to have there. They, they, they put him in a position to succeed. And Wyatt Johnston, this summer, decided to go live with the Pavelskis again. He just said, why change any of this? Let's just do it again for my sophomore year. So they're finding individual ways to put players in a position to be successful, which part of it is you have to take advantage of your drafts. But once you get those players, you need to put them in a position to find successful moments.
2: Brian, thank you for this. I really appreciate it.
3: Uh, thank you as well. My apologies for the no. dog interruption, but uh, it should be a fun one tonight. Thanks, guys.
2: Please do not apologize for your dog. We love it. You have a great day. <laughs> you do. <too. laughs> okay. Bye-bye. That's Brian Ray from Ballet Sports. Love dogs. Love dogs. And you know what? If we listen to dogs more, there was probably some kind of thing going on in the neighborhood. Just warning everybody, my dog barks at my neighbor, John who's the sweetest man alive. He's so kind. He's helped me so many times over the years, I couldn't even, like, describe it. And there he is, out in his little lawn or wherever, and my dog is just 12 pounds of horror, you know, giving him hell. Love it. Ryan Ray from Valley Square. We have to have him back. Was it Ginger? Was that the name of the dog?
0: I didn't, I didn't actually catch it, okay. so I'm not yeah, sure. You know, I that's... was working over Look, here. Look, I understand. You know
2: You're busy. You've got your banking to do. You've got, you know, can make your Sanka. I know. There's a lot you know. going on over here. You've got, uh, you know, various Halloween treats that are still here. And uh, I told Hallie to take them away, but, you know, he listens like all you young people. Uh, this comes from Jackie Ray, who is our friend. And we're going to have her back to talk curling here soon because there's something. I'm, I'm hearing from my friends uh, online where they're changing some Scheduling on what's going to appear on my television for curling. And so I'm prepared to get mad. We'll have Jackie Ray on soon. And she said, Did you know Charlie Pride was a part owner of the Texas Rangers? He would have loved the win. He loved baseball. Charlie Pride, I believe, played pro ball for a time when he was a young man. And uh, he could have, I think he could have had a career, but he ended up being a very successful country singer. You know, Declan, there are people in the world who are good at more than one thing. Can you imagine?
0: I could not. I I could wish, but I couldn't imagine.
2: I don't think we could do that. His dog's name was definitely Ginger, same as mine, from B. Okay. I don't understand why it's B if it's Ginger, but I will move on because we have other things to do. We've got our stacked and racked edition of the Thursday show, which means another guest just around the corner, Ben Arthur. From NFL on Fox to talk about the Thursday Nighter. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown. Driven by Wolf GMC Buick on Sports 1440. Love CCR. Great pick. I was hoping for, uh, have you ever seen the rain? But that was really good, too. Don't you worry. Proud Mary is excellent. Joined now by Ben Arthur from Fox Sports NFL, looking forward to the Thursday nighter. And lots to talk about and lots recent to talk about, including uh, Tennessee's quarterback, Will Levis. He looks like the real deal. I-, I don't know how long we have to wait to, you know, crown him king, but four touchdowns, not bad. Is he, is, is he exactly what we saw? Is he exactly what we saw in college and in his pro debut?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, th- thank you guys, um, f- for having me. And, um, yeah, I-, I mean, it was, it was a terrific debut, right. For Will Levis, four touchdowns, no interceptions, just seemed to be in com- complete control out there in-, in command, um, at the line of scrimmage, but, uh, it- 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 as great as it was, right. It, it was just one game. And, and so I-, I think the biggest thing for him is like, can, can he do it again? Can he show, consistency can he continue to make strides because he, he did have a lot of things uh, working in his favor right he he the, the titans were coming off the bye week he, he knew pretty much from the start of the bye week that he was going to be the starter because ryan Tannehill was hurt uh you know two weeks to prepare no one had any nfl film on him besides the first week of the preseason and, and we know uh, how, how much the, the preseason means. It doesn't really mean a whole lot. And so he kind of had the element of, of surprise on his hand, not to take anything away from what Will did. He was incredible, and he showed that cannon of an arm. He has the, the confidence uh, that he plays with. But now it's prime time, right? It's a short week. It's against a very good defensive front that has T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith. Uh, Cameron Hayward was just activated off IR, uh, the, and the Titans have had O line struggles this season. They haven't been super consistent up front, and so I think for for Will, it's going to be okay. Like, can you can you do it again? Like, uh, like can you show consistency here? I, I mean, he, he has all the tools as we saw, but but I think for him now, it's about c- continuing the stack off of what he did in in his in his debut
2: for for quarterbacks for young quarterbacks for me it's always sacks and injuries and and I always get alarmed because when when a young quarterback is in the open field and there's excitement building and he's gaining yards it's it's the most dangerous thing in the world does he have I mean I know he's you know a successful college player does do you think he has the instincts to maybe to to avoid injury and listen to his coaches and get out of bounds or get down
1: yeah, I I think he does, and and again I think I think in game reps are so important for like developing that kind of thing, right? Like you have to be out there going up against NFL defenders with NFL defender speed and, and like how quick these edge rushers are or these linebackers, how quick they are at closing. And I, I think to to be able to really get a good feel for that, I think that comes with just the more you play, like. If you if you guys followed the Colts at all, like before Anthony Richardson was unfortunately lost to the season with his shoulder injury, that was kind of the big uh, point of discussion with him too. Like, can can he protect himself? But then we had to remember, like he only started 13 games in college. Uh, he's considered kind of a, a raw a raw quarterback, and and we saw several instances to where he, he didn't maybe do what he should have done in terms of protecting himself, like not sliding and uh, really bracing for the contact like, like he did. And so I think for will it's, it's a different situation, but, but at the same time it is kind of the same thing in that uh, I think the more he kind of gets the feel uh, for the game and, and the the speed of NFL defenses uh, I I think that that's going to come with time. But, but then at the same time, I think it's a balance, right? Like, like Will is is well built for a quarterback. Like he can take hits, and there are certain situations where, okay, like like it's all kind of, kind of a game, right? There are situations where you maybe want to fight for that extra yard, and then in a lot of cases, right, you just want to get out of bounds or you just want to slide. And so I think the more he plays, the more he's going to figure that out, and and just kind of the way Titans coaches have talked about him, like he he, he definitely has a high IQ. Uh, He's learned things at a very fast rate, kind of behind the scenes, even as he wasn't playing. And so, I I think the more he plays, the more he's going to figure that
2: out. uh, uh, Sports 1440, low with Low Tide. Our guest, Ben Arthur from Fox Sports. Uh, I always hear rumors about Derrick Henry; they're out there. Uh, But it feels like the the Titans have a tendency to to you know win several in a row later in the year and pump into the playoffs. And he's such a big part of it. I know he's run the ball a lot. Uh, and he's, you know, 30 is there. So do you think we're seeing that the final stages of his time with the Titans?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I, I think it's, it's a very strong possibility of that. And as much as it's kind of hard to separate Derek Henry from the Titans, I mean, he's kind of been like a lot of teams have franchise quarterbacks and, and with the Titans, it's like he's their franchise running back. Like he's so intertwined in in their identity and, and kind of the the way they want to play and, and all the big games and performances he's had. So in, in that regard, it's, it almost feels hard to kind of imagine a reality where he's not with the Titans, but you, again, as you, you referred to like his, his age, uh, his contract situation, uh, so I just, and I just think with kind of where the Titans are headed uh, and we saw the trade that they traded Kevin Byard, who, apart from Derek Henry, like he was their franchise, one of their franchise cornerstones. You look at kind of where this team is headed. They're, they're headed towards a reset this coming off season. And it's looking like it's going to kind of be built around Will Levis ideally. And, Uh, and you look at it in Derek's situation where he is at in his career, like he's maybe going to want to go somewhere where, uh, that they have a chance to contend for a Super bowl. And and that just doesn't seem like, uh, in the sight for, for the Titans in in the immediate future. And so, uh, so yeah, I, I think there's a very strong chance that this is the last year we see him, uh, in Tennessee. Is it impossible uh for for him to to return no, no but i just i just think where this franchise is headed and having the the new gm in place and Rand Carthon and 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 kind of like this iteration of the titans we've seen the last several years I, I think that's coming to an end ryan Tannehill is also in the last year of his contract they have a bunch of other guys who are in the last year of their contract i think it's going to kind of be the changing of the guard for them and and because of that, um, yeah, I, I think it could be Derek's last year at Nashville.
2: DeAndre Hopkins has really helped out a position that was perceived to be, and at times, uh, uh, you know, an issue of the receiver position. He's had a good run here. Is this a, uh, you know, kind of a last chance Texaco, a spurt here, or do you think he can sustain it?
1: No, I, I think I think DeAndre Hopkins can can definitely sustain it. I mean, he's been consistently available and productive. For the Titans all season, Uh, like maybe when he hasn't gotten the ball, it's because of issues the Titans are having with their O-line or or kind of an issue that that Ryan Tannehill was having. But you look at just what he's been able to do when he has the ball in his hands, he's been very productive. And you look at the the numbers he's pacing for, like his numbers are pacing to be better than any season that – than any uh, single year that A.J. Brown had when when he was with the Titans. And so he's been very productive, uh, even though he's – I don't know his age off the top of my head. I believe he's uh, like 30, 31. But but he still has plenty of juice in the tank. And and if, uh, you know, any hope the Titans have of kind of making a run, uh, like he's going to be a big part of that uh, because we we know – uh, the Titans kind of motto is kind of been like, you know, run, run game and, and, and kind of the defensive front. Uh, but with having a receiver like DeAndre, I I mean, their, their ceiling is definitely higher having him in the mix. And so, um, so yeah, I think he can certainly keep it up. He's been doing it, uh, all season. And even though, he didn't play that many games with the Cardinals last season uh, due to uh, suspension. Uh, his, You look at that 17 game pace, he was still putting up prolific numbers actually in the games he played. I think it was uh, eight, eight, eight or nine games or so. He had more receiving yards than any Titans receiver had all of last season. And so uh, he's kind of been able to continue that being with the titans now and yeah i certainly see him keeping it up as long as the titans can get him the ball
2: you can take 4 minutes or 4 hours your final question is uh, how do you how do you game plan for tj watt ben arthur from fox sports
1: you you have to give your offensive tackles as much help as possible right i mean as i as i said like the, the titans have had issues kind of with consistency up front, like at the offensive tackle position. And so if you're Mike Rabel, if you're offensive coordinator, Tim Kelly, you want to avoid one-on-one situations with uh, T.J. Watt as much as possible, whether that's chipping with your tight ends, whether that's a, a quick passing game. Uh, but but the, the difficult thing with that, too, is uh, the Steelers have so many other great players on their defensive front, too. Like, like I said, Cam Hayward is going to be back. Alex Highsmith is a very productive player, too. So uh, it, it's, it's going to be quite the challenge uh, for, for the Titans in, in terms of how to game plan. But, uh, of course, T.J. Watt is kind of the, the leader of that front, and you have to avoid, I think, as much as possible. You have to avoid those one-on-one situations that he has with the offensive tackles, and you want to chip as much as possible. And, and you want to get the ball out of your hands if you're Will Levis as quickly as possible. Make quick decisions, uh, quick passing game, all that I think is going to be a big part of the Titans' uh, game plan today.
2: Ben Arthur, you made us smarter. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right, Ben Arthur, NFL on Fox, AFC South reporter. And, of course, he'll have all eyes tonight on the Titans and the Steelers. good football team Steelers have in my lifetime they just have never really been they've been they've been down sometimes um they they've changed coaches maybe they they've had three coaches since 1966 yeah I I like I knew it was a ridiculous number uh all very famous um all strong leaders um Noel and uh, and uh, Tomlin, Tomlin, right? Yep. But all like you know, extremely successful. Yes, and for some reason, are able to, you know, everybody's wow, we got to rebuild, but they just reload. They
0: do. They're always in the mix. Mike Tomlin has never had a season below five hundred in an entire tenure. That is incredibly tough to do.
2: In in fairness, this show has never had a show below. 500 either,
0: no no so. i i'd say we're like the worst we've ever got is like 570 maybe maybe yeah, well, 555
2: well you know if, if if we were ran the bases a little better and and you know the the umpires would call the balls and strikes a little a little better we'd we'd be fine
0: i don't know if you if you likened this show to football records i don't know if we've ever gone gone the whole way Gone sixteen and zero in the regular season, nineteen and zero in the playoffs. But we've probably gone about fourteen and two and won a Super Bowl. Sure, yeah.
2: I think we have. You know, okay. and uh, running it up the gut—that's what we do. Uh, hey, LT, today is the thirty-fourth anniversary of the Jimmy Carson trade for Peter Klima, Adam Graves, and Joe Murphy. Best trade in the history of the orders, as far as I'm concerned. From Stampede,r best history, best trade in the history of the well, the Gretzky thing was an acquisition over, I think, backgammon. Uh, hmm. Mm -hmm. Dougie Waite trade was great. Uh, mm -hmm. 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 The Billy Ranford trade was great. Chris Pronger trade was great. Looch for Mm -hmm. James Neal. Okay, I'm coming over there. You know, (laughs) I was having a nice moment there. I was fun. I was enjoying myself. It was sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Leslie Gore was singing in my ear. And now this. So I
0: just wanted to listen. Neil, Neil was nice on the power play that first season. He you know, came over. He was putting him back.
2: How high can I fly? I don't know because Declan Kruger ruined it. He pulled the kite down and now it's in the trees. Why can't we have nice things? Because Declan's on the show. If the dog's name is Ginger, does that mean Declan's name is Gilligan? No.
0: Love a Gilligan's Island reference.
2: He's more like the professor.
0: Yes. That is, oh, I'm so glad you said that. That's perfect.
2: Yeah. Of course, I'm the skipper, you know, little buddy. And uh, I don't know why they kept making a fuss about Ginger. Ann was the one, you know, back in the day. It's like Betty and Veronica. You know, everybody always chooses Veronica. Wrong. Bailey Quarters, Lonnie Anderson, it's Bailey Quarters. Always pick the girl next door. Always pick the girl who's going to help you move, be a good person, and not make you pay $700 for a pair of sneakers because she knows that's stupid. Declan?
0: No, listen, I listen, I heard you loud and clear. I wasn't even going to touch that. So Mike was staying off, but you made me address it, and now I'm, I'm backing out.
2: <laughs> I love dogs, not the big fan of the yappy small dogs. Once I told my friend's mom that's not a dog, it's a rat with a thyroid problem. Um, sir, I have a 12-pound yappy thing, and I love her so much that I can't even express in words what she means to me. She growls when I move my feet at night in bed. She, I take her out in the morning. She does her morning constitutional. She comes back, and she gets a treat, and then I do the dishes from the previous night. And while I'm doing that, she wants to go out again so she can get another treat. I don't give it to her, and then she's huffy. This is my life. I understand I created this monster. I love her. I, I just adore that dog. Yappy little thing, more please. That's all I can say. On the way, Bag Milk from Oilers Nation. This is low down with Low Tide on Sports 1440. This is a
3: Sports 1440 update.
0: And for your sports 1440 update brought to you by Mishner Allen Auctioneering. Their next public-timed automotive RV auction is now open for bidding. Go to info at maauctions.com. Big night in the NHL, 12 games on the slate, of course, including your Edmonton Oilers and the return of Sam Gagne, who are at home versus Dallas. Puck drop at seven. And it was Stuart Skinner in the starters net this morning, looking like he'll be making his third consecutive start. In case you missed it, the WHL is making neck guard protection mandatory for all players the league announced late yesterday afternoon. The WHL said in its announcement that the neck guard protection will go into effect Friday or as soon as the protective equipment is available to all of its clubs. WHL players will be required to wear neck guard protection equipment while participating in practice and games. According to the league, former Edmonton Oiler Caleb Jones was recalled on Tuesday to the Colorado Avalanche. Was sent down to the AHL affiliate of the club, the Colorado Eagles, earlier today. Four games in the NBA, including the Toronto Raptors in Philly to take on the 76ers. Tip-off for that one is 5 p.m. Toronto Blue Jays second baseman Whit Merrifield is the team's lone finalist for the AL Silver Slugger Award. It was announced earlier today by the MLB and one game in the AJHL. It's Calgary in Camrose to take on the Kodiaks. That one goes at 7 p.m. I'm Declan Kruger. This has been your sports 1440 update.